Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Napa know-how. A Napa guy knows not to judge a man by his car's multicolored paint job or absence of modern gadgetry. Who cares if it's technically old enough to vote and the windows are powered by the strength of your left arm? Your monthly payment is zero, and it'll stay that way. Because with over 500,000 parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep anything on the road. She may not be pretty, but she's all yours. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Hey, it's Flo, and this is my impression of a Hollywood acceptance speech. I'm so surprised. I had no idea. I'm not even prepared. Um, okay. <clears throat> I'd like to thank the progressive discounts that got me here. Safe driver, multi-car, paid in full multi-policy. This is just such a big moment. And did I mention that I'm surprised? With all kinds of discounts, Progressive helps you save. Oh, oh, oh. and I want to thank my agent and all my discounts agents because we all have the same agent. Don't start the music! Progressive Casualty Insurance Company. Discounts not available in all states or situations.
Welcome to the Rodar Fantasy Football Podcast, brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Use the promo code ROTOWIRE when you make your deposit for a free contest entry today. It's Friday, August 21st. Derek Van Riper here with Mario Puig. iTunes and Stitcher, we are there. This podcast is available for subscription on both platforms. Leave us a nice review if you happen to be listening to us on those channels. Now, if you're out for the evening, you've been drinking, get a ride, call a cab, or find some other safe way home because getting arrested for drunk driving can cost you a lot more than an arrest and a fine. You could face legal fees, court costs, the loss of your license, and more. Right now, cops all across the country are cracking down on drunk driving, and they'll see you before you see them. Drive sober or get pulled over. It's time for our safe sleeper pick sponsored by Drive Sober or Get Pulled Over. A handful of us will be downing beers at our fantasy football drafts and that leads to bad decisions in the later rounds and even worse decisions like getting behind the wheel afterward. Uh, David Cobb, for me, is a safe sleeper pick, Mario. He's standing out in camp right now, and even if he weren't, I think he's the kind of player that he's in a situation where Bishop Sankey was a huge disappointment as a rookie, Dexter McCluster's not really an NFL running back, and Antonio Andrews isn't really a threat to take away any significant share of the carries and I think Cobb is a little bit overlooked because it's such a deep rookie class of running backs overall maybe that's just like one of those guys that also uh, because of the combine and they had an injury around that time uh, didn't really do much to solidify what he did at Minnesota over the course of the spring yeah so uh, I'm actually in agreement with you on Cobb I like him quite a bit but I don't have I, I can't really substantiate it that much beyond like I just watched a lot of him and I thought he looks like a good player and it's not just that he looked good on film. His workouts uh, are are a little bit misunderstood. Like people think that he ran a four eight at the combine, which he did, but he pulled up with a hamstring injury when he did it. So he he's more like a four six guy. That's what he ran at his pro day, and there's reason to believe that's just like a fair uh, rep- representation of his speed because he his broad jump number and his vertical uh, before the injury those were elite numbers. Like he had a he had a. 38 and a half inch vertical which is awesome for a 230 pound running back and he had a 121 inch broad jump also quite good um to- totally like you know football good athlete on film he's not stiff in between the tackles or anything but 230 and he you know packs a wallop was able to stay on the field pretty much every down at Minnesota uh he's he's gotten co- he's gotten comparisons to Sean Green which is probably like why a lot of people are more sour on him than we are and to be fair they do have like the exact same dimensions and they're both from the big 10 or whatever they're just you know slow big guys everybody assumes but uh I actually like Cobb and especially with Sankey being as big of a disappointment as he's been it's pretty easy to imagine Cobb at least getting the short yardage and you know red zone running uh obviously the offense isn't that great uh for him to be in like they might not score that many points but on the other hand uh with Mariota starting it actually could be pretty easy to run between the 20s because with Mariota's bootleg threat, the defenses have to leave themselves a bit vulnerable in the middle if they want to try to contain the edge from him. So Cobb's going to hit the hole hard, you know, even if he's only getting like four yards and dust after that, it's like if, if he's getting the volume, that makes him a consideration. And one thing about Andrews real quick, he ran like the same 40 time as Cobb, but he wasn't hurt. So yeah. yeah, whatever. He's he was awesome in college, but he's he's not as good as Cobb. Yeah, he played at Western Kentucky. A guy that maybe was under the radar for a lot of people listening out there, just the name they see on the depth chart. But David Cobb didn't catch a lot of passes at Minnesota. Is that something you could see the Titans eventually 
working in, or is that more just something that's outside of his skill set? Could it just be that Bishop Sankey ends up as the third down back and Cobb just takes on the rest of the work? Because short yardage seems like a lock for sure. That seems like the, the first place he could get opportunities. But I think you're right. I think he could become the, the main guy uh, kind of between the 20s as well and, and just yield third down pass protection situations. I, I guess there's also a difference between being used as a pass catcher and being actually bad in pass protection right so yeah I don't I don't know where Sankey is as far as that goes he's it's, it is at the point though where it's like if he's not good at this what exactly do we have him here for because he's not going to match Cobb between the tackles but uh yeah so the other thing about Cobb is it's he he doesn't have a lot of passing down experience because Minnesota was probably one of the five most run heavy teams in college football they only attempted 19.5 passes per game uh whereas I think Cobb alone attempted yeah, 24 rush attempts a game. So he ran on his own more than the team threw the ball in its entirety. Uh, so he didn't have a lot of reps in that situation. But he did catch 16 of Minnesota's 127 completions, which is actually pretty good. Like a lot of running backs in college football would like to get 16 receptions on a team that completes like 250 uh, passes. So he seems to actually be a pretty good pass catcher. Uh, but yeah, with, with pass blocking, it's so hard to tell ahead of time where they're going to be because it's it's just it's it's not the same in the NFL and it's something that they seem to sort out in training camp mostly yeah, it's a twofold issue too I mean some guys are kind of small and they just get blown up in pass protection in Cobb's case size isn't the problem it's just a matter right. of knowing the assignment if he knows where he's going he should clobber people yeah he's a big big strong running back so there's there's quite a bit to like there an ADP well outside the top 100 overall so David Cobb's our safe sleeper pick for today uh, moving on to some other news here Robert Griffin suffered a minor concussion I'm going to emphasize that again. A minor concussion. John Madden is furious. <laughs> John Madden. He got his bell rung. Uh, look, okay, so the Redskins are saying he could play in their third preseason game next week, and <laughs> there's no such thing as a minor concussion if the uh, if the tone in my voice was not really good at selling that. Oh, yeah, that's why that's why John Madden's mad. <laughs> yeah, always, yeah, yeah. He'd always be like, it's like saying you're half pregnant. <laughs> yes. Like, so... <laughs> I refuse to believe that. Also, John, I think it's a, I think it's an actual, just straight up concussion. Yes, uh, we're going to file this under just concussion for RG three, and, and he really may not play next week. I, I would be more on the side of doubtful than questionable. Uh, but there's some time. We'll see what happens, how it plays out. Do we know how many concussions he suffered in the NFL? Because he suffered at least two at Baylor. Mm, this is the first one I can recall in the I NFL, he, uh, but okay. it doesn't mean he has hasn't had one previously. I mean, he's got like the punch card thing at least in the background by now. So, if you've got two in college and you get a third one even a few years later, I feel like that's more than a one week return time. Uh, I think I think uh, most football coaches look differently at it than you do, but maybe doctors would agree. I don't know. Right. I, I think people who study brains might maybe take yeah. my side on this one. Although they also kind of say, like, maybe football's a bad idea, so let's not listen to them. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, anyway, it's it's bad, especially because it's like the guy – Robert Griffin has always been slow to notice a pass rush, even at Baylor, even in his Heisman-winning season – it's like he's he's always been a guy who just seems to think he's got like three more seconds than he actually does. So this will not change. And his offensive line isn't so good as to be able to give him the like 10 seconds he actually thinks he has every play. So I I know Robert Griffin has immense upside because of his rushing ability, but I just I'm done with the guy. Like I, I might consider him in daily situations or something if he's got a low salary and he's actually not on the injury report that week and it's a bad defense but i'm not drafting him it's i, I just 
don't have the bandwidth mentally to deal with him. I've got him in the Stopa League, two quarterback scenario there because you have to take right. some two kind of chance if you don't go expensive. Yeah. But like twelve team or less, I just I'd rather I'd rather probably have like Mariota at this point. Like at least I know he's going to run the ball. You know. Yeah, that could that's one thing that really could start to disappear from from Griffin. I mentioned it uh, for after the preseason opener. He had a long touchdown catcher what would have been a long touchdown catch uh, for Pierre Garcon Garcon just dropped it I mean mm-hmm. like through the hands off the chest like w- daylight nothing but daylight in front of him doesn't show up in the stat sheet just shows up as an incompletion with that numbers would have been pretty impressive in that first preseason game he gets knocked out of Thursday's game again I think it's doubtful we see him next week but I am not the one making the decision here so who knows? Maybe he's fine. He could be totally fine. The, the little bit of brain damage he suffered may not matter. Could just be completely inconsequential. I trust a, an NFL head coach to make a rational decision with his uh, his health. So Yeah, especially one that doesn't seem to like him in the first place. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, that's right. Doesn't that make it worse? <laughs> like, the coach already doesn't like him. Like, Gruden does Jay not. Jay said, get in happy. there. You're fine. So we're going to keep him out another week. If you want to play on this team, you're going to go out there. Uh, yeah, you got you to prove it. I need to see it. I need to see it. Also from the injury file to Sean McCoy, uh, hoping to be ready for the regular season opener. He's dealing with a hamstring strain. Oh, I mean, LaShawn McCoy, the, the volume should be there. 300 carries could be there again this year. But the efficiency could be at at the same level as last year, maybe even a tick below. I mean, 4.2 yards per carry, over under that this year in Buffalo. I can see his rushing average improving a little bit if Tyrod Taylor uh, starts for them, just because I I really do believe that the, you know the running quarterback who can break the edge is going to make the defense a little softer in the middle. Uh, but the offensive line is going to be worse. The passing game is going to be a lot worse. And you know we're talking about going from Mark Sanchez, uh, and it's still getting worse. So <laughs> I don't know. I like he had five touchdowns last year on 312 carries on a team that you know was pretty decent at scoring neither of those will be true this year like it's he's going to be on a team like it's a team with fewer plays run and it's going to be worse per play it's in a division that's got some pretty you know intimidating defenses between the Jets and the Dolphins at least and the Patriots have a sick front seven even if their secondary is a bunch of you know has-beens or never was or whatever uh but yeah he's and now with the injuries coming in and and let's not forget like even though he's only 27 He's still got. He's gonna cross the fifteen hundred carry mark within like two or three weeks of this year. He has three hundred career receptions. He got a lot of carries at Pittsburgh in college too. Uh, if, if if we have this, all these worries about like Demarco Murray breaking down, it's like McCoy should be a candidate for the exact same you know the worry. It's like why why he's there's no reason to think he's gonna be like a Marshawn Lynch and just keep going like he has. Like those just don't happen. So. I'm pretty everybody's pretty afraid of McCoy it seems like at this point and I think that's for good reason. Yeah, the the Lynch Gore type players, those are the exceptions at yeah, running back. The guys that, that stay good for a long time. You can name like those two, maybe AP. Adrian Peterson and Emmett Smith and that's like it. It's a yeah, it's a pretty short list of I mean and maybe like Curtis Martin yeah, years yeah, ago yeah. was kind of like that. But you're talking like two people every 10 years. It's, it's like I'm yeah. not betting on McCoy being the second guy. You know? No, doesn't doesn't seem like that's going to be the case. Uh, the ADP for the NFFC right now is at 19.6 for LaShawn McCoy. That would make him roughly, oh, like a mid-second-round pick, kind of like the early part of round two. No, thanks. Yeah, I don't I don't think I'd go anywhere near him at that price. 
I'd I'd much rather go for someone like a you know a receiver like a Jordy Nelson who has a you know an outside chance at finishing like top five at his position if not you know just outright because it's between the durability worries and it's that and it's like going against those defenses that we mentioned six times the whole the whole theory of like a running back being a premium fantasy asset is that it's week to week consistency there's not the volatility that you have with receivers well. McCoy's going to have volatility issues because he's going against teams that are going to allow like 3.2 yards per carry for over a third of his schedule. And his team is not equipped to even succeed against average defenses. Yeah. I mean, Jeremy Hill's going a few picks later. I Jeremy Hill before McCoy, easily. not even close. Yeah. Not I, even close. That would, has to stop right now. I would get turned and take uh, Jeremy <laughs> Hill for sure. Oh, um, Justin Forsett going about mm. eight picks later. That, that to me, like if you're getting points per reception, which in, in NFC you are that's pretty close right now just based on McCoy's health and and the concerns he mentioned yeah I don't like Forsett that much either because he's uh I mean he's 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 a guy who I fear being the uh you know Jerome Harrison who basically is a backup his whole career gets on the field late in the season when everybody else is getting you know he's got the fresh legs from not being the workhorse and then he slowed down at the end of last year I know he, he did well in the playoffs but he had a, a couple clunkers at the end and he's just never sustained any kind of success in the NFL so uh also the loss of Kubiak is a problem that people aren't fitting in like Tressman will get him PPR work for sure but uh between the actually as a runner like especially between the tackles like I'd I'd be very worried about Forsett finishing the year with you know like 4.0 or worse as a rushing average. Yeah, that could happen, and I think you're right that the pass catching opportunities will go up. So maybe it offsets it a little bit. Yeah, maybe in PPR, but it, I, I, he, the other thing is like I I know it's not reasonable really from like a broad data perspective to put much to fear much uh, Javorius Allen that you know a fourth round pick rookie, but. That's uh, fourth round picks are making impacts every year, and I think Javorius Allen is a lot better than Forsett. He's like he's a two hundred and twenty pound guy who's just as good of a pass catcher, and he's probably just as fast. He he ran like a four five one or something at the combine. That's pretty good for a two hundred and twenty pounder. He was awesome at USC. He's a three down player, and he's a between the tackles. He's a short yardage player. Those are like a whole bunch of things that Forsett is not. So I I'm worried about Javorius Allen. I mean I'm tar- I'm targeting him as a late round guy pretty consistently yeah Javorius aka Buck Allen Buck. depending on yeah. the uh, site you are looking at or playing on uh, taking a look here at a couple other uh, training camp notes Leonard Hankerson impressing in Falcons camp kind of a, a guy who's been forgotten about because he was buried in Washington on that depth chart uh, we've seen the occasional Leonard Hankerson 65 yard touchdown catch highlight flash by on a Sunday I mean he's 6'2 211 he's a third round pick out of Miami Several years ago, he's uh, 27 years old now, had a 9.5 yards per target season back in 2012. That was the, the RG3 good year, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, 2012 was his good year, yes. Yeah, it's kind of interesting that he was contributing at a high level at that time. Quarterback play in Washington's been bad, really, for the last right. two seasons. I mean, you put Hankerson in this offense behind Julio Jones and behind Roddy White, maybe they've upgraded over Harry Douglas. Maybe they have a more dynamic playmaker they can throw to as that third guy there because, to me, they also don't have a great situation at tight end. Like There could be occasional situations where Leonard Hankerson or whoever's the third option in this passing game can be useful. Yeah, so I'm actually, uh, as I mentioned to you earlier, putting Hankerson in the riser category for the barometer because that offense, uh, as it previous, like at its height, it was you know Matt Ryan throwing to three guys and not a fourth. Like it was Tony Gonzalez, Julio, and Roddy White. 
Tony Gonzalez is gone. They replaced him, you know, quotes, replaced him with Levine Tololo, who's just a blocker guy. He's tall. He's he's tall, but, like, they can't use him. And uh, so they just never replaced that void, or rather they they tried to with Harry Douglas. So, I mean, whatever. But, yeah, Harry Douglas got a lot of work the last two years for a third receiver because Julio Jones is injury-prone. Uh, Roddy White has become injury-prone the last couple of years, and he's getting older. Uh Leonard Hankerson had his own – he had an ACL-LCL tear uh, a couple of years ago that I guess has been a, a, a problem for him getting back into the groove here. And then before that, obviously, he just wasn't that productive. But uh, from, like, a size athleticism profile, there's reason to think he could be quite good. I mean, like like you are saying, 6'2", 210. At his combine, he ran a 4'4 flat, uh, had totally adequate numbers otherwise, got big hands, pretty decent wingspan, uh, really productive at Miami in college. So – Harry Douglas caught 52 passes last year as the third receiver on that team. Since then, they've added a fourth-round pick, Justin Hardy, who's like more of a true slot receiver than Hankerson. Or I don't even know what that means, other than it's like he's not fast or big enough to pose a threat outside of the slot. Uh, but Hankerson, if I don't know where he's going to line up, if he's going to be outside or inside. But Matt Ryan's a pretty decent quarterback. Um, Roddy White and Julio have both been getting hurt quite a bit for a couple of years now. I think there's reason to believe that Hankerson will see some starts this year. And even if he doesn't, I think he's a pretty decent, like, 55 catch candidate. So, for me, he he's a guy to target late along with, you know, a, a Stevie Johnson type. Yeah, if you look at Hankerson, too, the other thing that kind of stands out is that he's still in Kyle Shanahan's offense. I mean, he he's kind of followed his old coordinator to Atlanta, which I think hmm. also speeds up the learning curve when you yeah. change teams. Uh, aside from the fact that he's got a better quarterback, in an environment where they may throw it a lot more than Washington did the last few years. So I think there's a little bit there to like. If it's like a 10, 12-team league, maybe you don't draft him, but you're just waiting for Jones or White to get dinged up. And when that happens, you pounce on him on the waiver wire, and you have a pretty nice uh, in-season pickup on your hands. Uh, TJ Yeldon is going to be a game-time decision for Saturday's game against the Giants. He didn't play in the Jags preseason opener. I kind of want to just open the door and wave in Nick Whalen, our, our Jags correspondent, and uh, Wednesday host and just say hey what's the deal with Yeldon you know is he going to be an every down back this year but I'll, I'll ask you since you're you're in the room I mean do you like Yeldon anywhere near as much as the Jags seem to like Yeldon uh can, can we get ADP terms on that I don't I mean it's I like TJ Yeldon but uh you know he's he's on a team that it will struggle offensively if Blake Bortles doesn't take a huge step forward in his second year and he he's he should take a step forward but I don't know if we're expecting a big one, uh, and you're not going to get Yeldon that cheap in your drafts. Like I know he's not going anything less than like middle tier running back two type. So with that being the case, it's like I, you're banking on the volume. Um, I think Yeldon's a good player, but if, you, if you're expecting efficiency, that might be a bit greedy. I think, um, and yeah, that 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 whole situation. Obviously, like Toby Gerhart was productive before he got there, and then when he got there, he was just you know. A, waste you know but Yeldon's better it's just a question of like I don't know if he's that much better than Denard Robinson as a pure runner and Robinson kind of slowed down last year toward the end so Yeldon Yeldon's good he's a three down kind of player but you might have to deal with like a 3.7 yard per carry kind of season from him yeah that could definitely be a concern is ADP hovering around 66 overall so 12 teamers maybe 
mid sixth round, fourteen oh, well, teamers, late fifth round. I've seen him go earlier in industry leagues. Yeah, yeah, that seems a little late to me actually, because um, I, I do expect him to get like all the work he can handle. I mean, Denard's not really a passing down option, and he's not a short yardage guy like Yeldon. So, yeah, I mean, if you're getting him in that range, I'd I'd, I'd be willing to take the risk of a low efficiency because I expect the workload to be so big. Uh, Joseph Randall's been slowed by an oblique injury recently. He aggravated that ailment on Thursday. He's now doubtful to play on Saturday. Usually we're concerned about oblique injuries for pitchers and maybe quarterbacks if, if we're talking football. But is there any reason to think that Joseph Randall won't be that starting running back for the Cowboys in week one? I Not really, but on the other hand, it's like I think we'd be a bit naive to think that this isn't a wild card scenario anyway. Uh, even if he's fully healthy it's a wild card so uh, I guess he returned to practice in some capacity today Uh, but yeah if he's doubtful for that game then he's obviously not feeling that great Um, I I I do think Randall is a lot better of an option than Darren McFadden for the Cowboys I don't I don't see any reason why they shouldn't give Randall a big workload because I think he's a decent player he was a really good pass catcher at Oklahoma State has a little bit of elusiveness to him so when the alternative is McFadden, it's like I can't think of a reason why he wouldn't be on the field almost every play. And yet, uh, you know, this is this is the Cowboys. I mean, Jason Garrett one day, you know, had Patrick Creighton starting ahead of Miles Austin and Felix Jones starting ahead of DeMarco Murray. So I'm not going <laughs> to assume that someone's going to play just because they're better than the backups. Uh, but yeah, it, you're, you're playing with fire, but it could it could make you look like a genius, too, because if he gets the volume, he's going to produce like that. That offensive line is legitimate. Randall's going to be a factor in the passing game. He's a good receiver. Uh, it's just, yeah, does his coaching staff d- agree with us? Do they want to – are they going to put him in the game or are they going to put Darren McFadden, uh, you know, his 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 draft spot? Are they going to start, you know, the former fifth overall pick or whatever? So that's – it's hard to tell what the politics of that will end up, you know, in practice looking like. So, Yeah, I'm – Really interested to see how it all plays out, especially because in Randall's absence, according to the Fort Worth Star-Telegram, Darren McFadden has been getting reps with the first-team offense in practice. Yes. Draft, draft him. Yes. LOA Jason Garrett. His, never hamstrings, his hamstrings will stay okay this time. I'm not worried about it. <laughs> yeah. The odds of Darren McFadden not having a hamstring injury throughout an entire regular season uh, – it's not, You're not a, getting better than it's even not money on the board. On that. You're not going to get. A, yeah, they won't even. They won't even let you get wager on it. It's impossible. <laughs> Football season just a few weeks away at DraftKings.com. DraftKings.com is America's favorite one-week fantasy football site, where you could win enormous cash prizes every week. Last season, eight players won a million dollars in one day just playing fantasy football. Don't just dominate your season-long leagues in 2015, but also play one-week fantasy at DraftKings.com. Head over to DraftKings.com now and enter the promo code Rotowire for free entry. DraftKings.com. Bigger events, bigger winnings, bigger millionaires. Enter Rotowire for free entry now at DraftKings.com. Did have two preseason games on the slate last night. Of course, one led uh, to the minor concussing of RG3, as we talked about earlier. Uh, Redskins-Lions, the first game there. Let's see if there's anything of note. I mean, you think about the preseason. For me, it's a lot of times it's getting a look at players maybe for the first time in a new offense, maybe some backups that could be intriguing, or it's a quarterback battle. You know, Griffin was 2 of 5 for 8 yards before his minor brain injury. He was sacked three times, too, so the, the line, pass rush, whatever it was, it, it, all sorts of problems last night for RG3. Kirk Cousins came on. He was 8 of 12 for 91 yards. Colt McCoy, 5 of 6 for 80, each of the backups throwing at least one touchdown pass. 
I, I just I can't shake the feeling that even if Griffin's healthy, he's not starting all sixteen games. It's just not going to happen. Well, even if he's healthy now, you you know he's not going to stay healthy the whole year. So that's that's one out for Gruden, who I like you. I kind of I kind of don't believe that Gruden is really invested in Griffin uh, as as a player. Like I don't I don't think he's. I think he's looking for a reason to go in a different direction and, you know, injury would be pretty easy for him to get that out. Uh, but otherwise it's like, yeah, I mean, and it's, it's hard to be fair to Jay Gruden to see why Griffin would be so obviously better than McCoy and cousins when they basically do no worse than it just as good as him all the time. And like McCoy was pretty good last year, actually, at least, you know, stat terms, like he's not a, he's not toolsy, obviously he doesn't look that glorious when he does it, but Griffin's been kind of embarrassing a lot of the times the last couple of years. So uh, it, it seems like Dan Snyder forced, you know, a some outcome here. It just doesn't seem like Gruden's way at this point to, to pass up Colt McCoy, pass up Kirk cousins. So I'm, yeah, like I said, I'm kind of swearing off of Griffin outside of DFS. Um, and yeah, like that concussion, the bad offensive line performance, it, it just all stinks to me. So you look at the offensive line, you look at the running game, uh, Alfred Morris probably going to be a workhorse again this year, health permitting, but Matt Jones was a guy they took in the third round of the draft. Uh, eight carries last night, 44 yards. What type of player are we looking at in Matt Jones? Is he capable of actually pushing Morris for a significant number of carries? Man, I forgot that he was a, he was a third round pick. Yeah, 95th overall. Man, for some reason I thought he was like a fifth rounder all this time. Um, Matt Jones is, I was actually putting him as a riser in the barometer because, yeah, uh, Washington has already like anointed him the Roy Helu replacement as the third down back, which is a little unusual because he's like a 6'2", 230 guy. Uh, didn't really catch the ball that much at Florida. Uh, but he's he's a guy who, when when he's been healthy, has kind of looked pretty intimidating as a runner because... He's he's pretty athletic, but at at Florida, uh, what was it? Two years ago, he was coming back, or he's coming into the season with like a viral infection of some unspecified sort that kept him uncertain for the early part of the year. Then he started having knee and ankle troubles, which basically persisted through the rest of his career. So he wasn't at full strength at Florida. He looks better now, and it's the kind of thing to me where it's like, man, if if he's a better passing down back as than Alfred Morris is and he's otherwise a lot like Alfred Morris which he is he's like a power guy 230 it's like man I'd be worried if I was Alfred Morris because this guy can do the same things he can but Morris can't do what he can um so yeah that that's actually a Matt Jones is a guy who's become very interesting to me in the past few days um because yeah he pretty he pretty clearly wasn't right at Florida he the third round pick could look pretty smart um in the future now Rare to say the Redskins did something smart, but it could be the case. If, it uh, might if it have pans happened. Out. It's, perhaps, it's been years. Perhaps by accident. I just imagine they could be one of the teams that like they they still print out like their war room papers, like you know, on paper. They just and, they just look at the NCAA football ratings or something, and now that without that, the past few years they're just kind of <laughs> spinning in the wind. They probably hired the guy that used to make those ratings and said, "What would Matt Jones have been ranked if you were making this game?" And the guy said, "85," and they decided to go with that. Mm, yeah i mean it can't be that much worse than whatever they were doing before nothing of note really on the Lions side Uh, washington won this game 21 17 but i don't think winning preseason games matters in any any realm whatsoever Uh, we'll talk bills and browns here for a brief spell the score of this one finished 11 to 10 i've never seen that before that's exactly what you would expect from those two teams though 
just like the most cynical projection or like pe- pessimistic projection and it's like they go and fulfill it one to one nice well rex put the cojones on display uh not literally but it with the two point conversion call they scored late in this one mm, i love preseason two point conversions Yes, especially game winners. EJ Manuel finding Andre Davis for a 14-yard strike with 131 to go in the fourth quarter, and they went for two, and they got it. They got that big W. That's big what life's about, man. <laughs> the preseason go for two? Getting that you know last-second improbable come-from-behind preseason victory. They're building something now. They, they quietly are building something. We don't know what that something's going to look like when it's fully be... completed. Might not be clean or, you know, might be a little rotted, but they're putting it together. Might be a kind of a dark and mysterious shed type <laughs> structure, but hey, it could be it could be sturdy. Uh, EJ Manuel finishes game 9 of 14, 111 yards, the touchdown that I mentioned. He was sacked three times. Tyrod Taylor uh, went 7 of 10 for 65 yards, also had four runs for 41 yards. Yep. Uh, nobody else really did anything on the ground for the Bills in this game. Are you on Team Taylor at this point, just given the alternatives? Like the Bills should just give him an opportunity, see what he can do, and hope that he just makes the offense as a whole more dynamic? Yeah, uh, Matt Castle apparently had some kind of like foot issue that contributed to him looking really bad in the OTAs and early in training camp. Uh, so he's apparently doing better lately. But I don't know why the Bills would not go with Tyrod Taylor. I mean, it's it's not going to help them any to put like an undue emphasis on the passing game just because they spent draft assets on Sammy Watkins that they should not have. It's like they're going to have to live on the ground and they're going to have to make their their passing game relatively low volume. Tyrod Taylor is like a really dangerous runner. He's like sub. He's got four four mid four four type speed. Really good runner, and I I hope that he starts because that I can actually see him being pretty good. Um, not like. You know, not like a Russell Wilson or something, but at least at least somebody who's not just walking doom like Castle, you know. So I hope it's Taylor. It might not work, but it's like we know Castle won't work. We know EJ Manuel almost certainly won't work. He's just he just seems to be regressing even, which is kind of pitiful. But uh, yeah, so I, I, I hope Taylor starts. But I guess I guess Rex isn't inclined to tell us until like right before week one. So there might not be any confirmation on who's actually starting for them uh, at a time that would be useful to people drafting. Yeah, it might just be a case where if you go kind of cheap at quarterback, Taylor's the guy you have to pick up leading into the first week if he's announced as the starter Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, whenever. Or after that first game, even, you go after him a little bit of fab, roll the dice on him that way. Yeah. Uh, but on the Brown side of this one, Josh McCollum started 7 of 10, 57 yards, two picks, three sacks. <sighs> Johnny Manziel came on. In the second half, 10 of 18, 118 yards, a touchdown, no picks, only one sack, uh, passer rating about 50 points better against weaker defenders, in fairness. Bill's first-team offense is a tough assignment. Terrence West had 11 carries for 42 yards. Otherwise, the ground game didn't show much. Isaiah Crowell, 5 for 14 in this one. Duke Johnson uh, still not ready to play with that hamstring injury. Starting at the quarterback spot, this to me, I, I, think, I think the Browns, here, here's my theory on the Browns. Well, I have two theories. One, they're just dumb. Totally possible. It's a bold opinion there. Bold. Strong take. Two is that what, what the Browns are trying to do is minimize the hype around camp because they they had an extraordinary amount of attention this time last year around that team. And anytime you start talking about Johnny Manziel as a starter, it, the story 
mushrooms out of control for reasons that don't even really make sense. Like they yeah. just they just don't. So it actually is in the best interest of that team to make it seem as though he's not their starter, even if he is. Like they should downplay the idea of him being their starter if he is their starter, which doesn't help us at all as fantasy yeah. players. It's obnoxious. And it's the same problem the Bills have. These teams have the exact same problem. The guy they want to use, the the old veteran, is not good enough to do more than just get them to the playoffs. They will lose their first playoff game if they get there, if Josh McCown is their starter. At least if Johnny Manziel is a starter, they have a chance to do a little bit better than that. Yeah, I, I don't know what they're thinking exactly. It, at, at this point, they seem to handle Manziel as if it's like a reverse farm system. Like, they're just keeping him around until he's ready for the CFL, and then they can get rid of him forever. Because, like, what what exactly is the plan here otherwise? You, you guys are talking like, oh, well, he's doing better, but Josh McCown for sure. It's like, man, if it's Josh McCown for sure, then you must really not like Manziel right now. But, it's yeah, so it seems like seems like they're just kind of, you know, ignoring that question and then – in the mean, as, as a team, they almost seem like they're kind of doing like the closest thing to forfeiting as an organization that you can do without formally announcing it. Where this is like, we're just going to try to run out the clock. We're going to try to get some punts, some three and outs, and let Isaiah Kroll do the rest. Like it's it's a really bleak organization right now. Like them and the 49ers are just so sad. Um, but yeah, it's like they they had the eighth overall pick last year. Justin Gilbert, their cornerback, has been just like the worst cornerback selection of all time like he's apparently just getting just worked constantly by practice squad types um worse than Ahmad Carroll worse much worse like Ahmad Carroll was like the 27th pick or something but Ahmad Carroll was just hands to the face penalties on repeat man we're gonna like they they don't even seem willing to put Gilbert on the field and he was an eighth overall pick you know so that's some that's some seriously bad practice time if the organization isn't trying to you know like bleed out of him some kind of vindication for their personnel management but they it seems like they've already just given up on that so that's yeah it's it's sad and as far as the offense goes it's like if Terrell Pryor can't save them at receiver and if Duke Johnson can't save them at running back it's just like I want nothing to do with that team it's amazing to me that if if LeBron James signed a contract with the Browns that behind Terrell Pryor he'd be like the second best receiver like they're both better than oh. Dwayne Bow. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I mean, I really hope Pryor gets healthy soon because I want to see him play receiver really bad. Uh, he he has all the tools to be really good at it, and it's like when you're that big and that fast. I mean, we're talking like six four two thirty with like mid four four speed, maybe even better than that. Uh, maybe like he was supposedly at the, like the high four threes at his pro day. It's like, man, you just just let that guy run and throw it really far and like see if. I mean, he's probably going to get there before anybody else, and he'll be taller than whoever else is standing around him at the time. I also I recall openly laughing at the Browns' new uniforms when they put them out on Twitter. Oh, I didn't see those. They, when they tweeted about them, they tweeted the new logo next to the old logo, and it's not it's not a complete rebuild. So it, was it like orange versus orange? It was two different shades, two different hues of orange. <laughs> One was a little brighter than the other, but otherwise it looked completely identical. And I kind of just thought that's that's weird, like to make a big deal out of that. But I actually saw the uniforms this preseason, and they, they, they look good. Oh, looking, nice, looking good, Cleveland. Looking better than just brown and orange. If it's Manziel and Duke Johnson and Terrell Pryor, oh, man, it could be really it. interesting. I would be in. I would be in if those three guys were getting all the touches. I would love that. I feel bad for Browns fans out of market who, who have to pay for Sunday ticket because their team will never, ever be televised. They'll never be the game of choice anywhere unless you live in Pittsburgh and they're playing the Steelers or something along those lines. 
it's but, kind of macabre to pay to watch the Browns play, right? It, it's, that's like paying for a snuff film or something. That's just more, more or less, yeah. yes. I know someone who buys Sunday ticket to watch the Browns, and I, Oof. I'm, I'm gonna make a point this season to go over to his house on an NFL Sunday. He needs help. I'm gonna on the Packers bye week. I'm going to go over there. And I'm just gonna see how do you live. Like I just want to see. You don't have to acknowledge I'm here. I'm just going to observe you for the day and see if like, this is healthy and if this is <laughs> something not, you actually he enjoy. Needs help. He needs help. It's just a ritual, I think, at this oh, point. Just, oh, I've always a done self-hating this. Self-hating ritual. Well, I know uh, the guys yesterday talked a lot about the Kelvin Benjamin injury. Uh, huge blow to the Carolina offense. What it does is it leaves a lot of targets for Devin Funches, who was going to have a role either way. But now you're talking about a guy that maybe comes in and gets an opportunity to do something perhaps in line with what Benjamin did himself last year. Is Funches capable of, of kind of replicating that, coming in and being top 10, top 15 in the league in targets and actually turning that into pretty good production? Yeah, so I'll acknowledge that Funches does concern me with his recent injuries. Like, he was hurt a lot last year at Michigan, and apparently he's, like, missing practice time right now. I can't remember what it was, if it was, like, a hamstring or something. But either way, it's like you don't like to see a rookie receiver not practicing, especially when he he's kind of making, like, a half-position switch. Like, he played a lot of tight end at Michigan, and uh, it's it's obviously a new system, new quarterback. You don't want him to be just kind of, like, me- taking mental reps when that's the scenario. But on the other hand, it's it's one of those things where it's like the volume of targets should be so high that he doesn't even need to be effective, really. Like, Kelvin Benjamin was not that effective last year, but he got 140-plus targets and no one noticed. Um, I don't think they're going to do that with Funches. Like, I, I, think, I think he's a little more raw maybe than Benjamin, but he's more athletic. Like, he's a lot more athletic. Like, uh, Funches probably stands at, like, 6'4", 235 or something. Benjamin, to be fair, was, like, 6'5", 240 something like that a little bit bigger than Funchess but um Funchess ran like in the low four five range at his pro day which is what he looks like on film he ran like a four seven at the combine which is pretty obviously like he just doesn't know how to run the 40 um out of the track stance I mean so he he's really imposing athletically big wingspan he can leap high point the ball make catches in traffic uh, especially downfield like he's not a guy that you want to run slants with or run drag routes with but you get him moving downfield you get, you know, both the corner and him at top speed, and it's really hard to, to you know, keep his uh, catch radius from just blocking out the sun at that point because it's like you need to keep him at a, at a low speed or else he can just box people out. So he's not he's not as well-rounded as Benjamin on the shorter routes, I don't think, but I can see him making, like, big plays downfield. Like, he can run with the ball better than people think. Yeah, that, that's the interesting thing about Funches, and maybe part of that gets obscured by the offense he played in especially last year at Michigan. I mean, the it was so gross. The crumbling offense, the, the just the Brady Hoke endgame at Michigan. The Brady Hoke apathy parade last year was just so It was it was bad. bad. You, you had you had concussed quarterbacks on the field. You had coach with no headset running things. Uh coach more likely to pick up a ham sandwich than the headset. I mean, like there there are some problems there for sure. And then the quarterback play aside from the instances where concussions were clearly the issue. Uh, the quarterback play was bad. Yeah. So you, you take that, uh, take the system not being great, you take Funchess being hurt the entire time, and it's easy to see where the 
doesn't always have a high motor narrative might have come oh, from. Yeah. That seems kind of bogus to me I when you think about try the context of that team. I would Funches last year. I'm taking a nap the whole year. Like I'm waiting to get paid, and I'm saying like whatever to this. Like, I don't want to die in Brady Hoke's yeah. offense. I'm like, already playing on like a messed up tibia or something just so Brady Hoke doesn't get fired, and it's like the quarterback's Devin Gardner's throwing to like the stands when I'm wide open downfield. So yeah, it's I understand like why he would not have a high motor last year. And it's it's don't get me wrong, like his hands aren't that great. Like he, again, he's not a guy that you can really rely on over the middle of the field on short routes. Like you got to get him moving a little bit, let him really put some vertical pressure on people because you can't really keep up with him that way. Like honestly, like he he's not as fast, he's not as explosive at all. But his build and like the the standout plays that he does make remind me a little bit of Terrell Owens. Like he's not nearly the run out. Like Terrell Owens, people misunderstand. Like he was one of the fastest receivers, especially adjusted for size. Like fastest receivers ever. Funchess isn't that, but uh, he should he should have like you know comparable big playability to at least like a Brandon Marshall sort of player. I think. Uh, maybe that would be the better comparison, Brandon Marshall. That's actually probably a pretty good comparison for him. Um, not that I expect him to be the possession wideout that Marshall was. I, I can see him being better downfield, though, because he, he just makes nasty plays, like pulling the ball down when he's double-covered and just outrunning people, things like that. But he'll also drop a slant because he you know, just isn't very he's – not, he's not as sudden on the short areas. But I, with the target volume, I, I like Funches. I, I would not – at all be surprised if he's better than Benjamin this year it's just one of those things where it's like it's also it, it's it's pretty easy to imagine him not being as good so it's hard to hard to quantify that really you know your mention of Terrell Owens immediately fired the neurons in my brain that recalled the memory of his publicist who in the most amazing most amazing presentation ever. This is a grim episode. This is a it's very grim <laughs> and I'm looking at the photo of her right now and it, it's it's fright night. I mean, she if you have someone representing you, like if your job is to be an agent or a publicist where you represent someone else, you should be really well put together when you're like publicly speaking for that person. She's there just like in a t-shirt or something. She's there in just a gray t-shirt. <laughs> it looks like she just rolled out of bed. I mean, the hair just a mess. And of course, she dropped the famous Terrell has 25 million reasons why he should be alive quote, which is just not well thought out. Oh, like, are you, yeah. Is, is 20 million reasons the magic number? Do we worry if he's getting paid that much less or something? Yeah. Oh, man. Anyway. What a, what, a, just what a great day, like, looking back on it. I think that was way back in, was that January or September? of September was six, I think. I feel like I was, like, 10 at the time, so I don't know. It was a, it it was was a, a long time ago. It was a long time ago, but if you want to see the photo I'm referring to, just Google Terrell has 25 million reasons. I'll decline on that offer. I'm going to hip chat you the photo uh, later, and it's going to just pop up on your screen. I'm trying to feel better about the world. Oh, you know, the hip chat, yeah, we have this internal messaging thing called hip chat. It's kind of like AL Instant Messenger or whatever, a bunch of different things like that. And the worst thing about it is that if somebody sends you a photo, it just pops it open on your screen in the hip chat window. Yeah. And our colleague, Shannon McEwen, did this with the Prince Fielder Photoshop of like the, it was like Fielder from the body issue on the wrecking ball from like the Miley Cyrus video. Like that's been probably parodied hundreds of times. So I, I'm just, I'm just minding my business, doing my work. And Shannon just hits, he hits me up with this naked Prince Fielder on a wrecking ball. 
just ruined well, my day. Well, now you won't be surprised when you see a naked Prince Fielder on a wrecking ball in real life. Right. I, I, I will react to that much more calmly than yeah. I did when that happened on, on hip chat. Important reps to get. It, it, it's, it's, yeah, it's important to have, uh, to, have, <laughs> to have that experience, I guess. Thank you for listening to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Use the promo code ROTOWIRE when you make your deposit for a free contest entry today. You can also check out ROTOWIRE for free for the next 10 days by going to rotowire.com slash pod. Also, if you search ROTOWIRE on iTunes, you can check out the college football podcast that Mario hosts. New episode just went up this week. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back with you on Monday. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.